You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Well, welcome back, everybody, and thanks for downloading our show today. We're continuing our coverage of the International Catholic Stewardship Conference with another roundtable session today on the topic of stewardship and working with clergy to be comfortable with the concept of stewardship. And we have a great panel of guests, and in a moment, they're going to introduce themselves. This roundtable session is actually facilitated by Mary Simboski Dorley, who is a managing director at Changing Our World, and I get to participate in the conversation as one of the panelists. But before we go there, I was doing my morning prayer this morning, and uh, I do the Office of Readings each morning, morning and night, as a diaconate candidate. That's one of the things that we do. We do morning prayer and we do evening prayer. And in morning prayer, this reading came up that I thought was so central to the theme of stewardship that I'm just going to share it with you. It's very, very brief. It's from Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ, and the life I live now is not my own. Christ is living in me. I still live my human life, but it is a life of faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, what struck me about that passage is, and the life I live now is not my own. Well, doesn't that speak to stewardship? The life that we've been given, the lives that we all live, are not our own. They belong to God. They have been gifted to us for a short time. And so what we do with those lives, it matters. It's how we will be judged in the end. It's, it's that relationship we have in stewardship. It's not something that I own it's something that I am given for a short time. So I just, I, I thought I would share that as a way to begin our conversation about ourselves. We know that in stewardship, we own nothing. We are temporary stewards of what we have been given. And when we leave this life, we will leave it with what we came into it with. And that is nothing but the love that God has for us. And so without further ado, we're going to move to our conversation and I know that you're going to enjoy this because you have a really interesting roundtable of some folks with some very different perspectives. And so here's our conversation on stewardship. My name is Mary Dorlitz Bosky, and I am Managing Director of Changing World. And I have had the joy of working with Tomach, our guest. Good to see you again. Hey, I'm, I'm Tomasz Kirul. I'm uh, currently serving as a director of development for uh, St. John's Seminary for the Archdiocese of Boston and New England and beyond. As Mary mentioned, uh, we work together for the Archdiocese of Boston with annual funds and, you know, capital campaigns and everything else that kind of went under that, that umbrella. And I also, as Mary mentioned, I also work uh, at BU, Boston University, teaching recently on global philanthropy, especially from a cultural perspectives and traditions and how religion influences uh, giving in a different parts of the world as well. Currently, we, we do, uh, at St. John Seminary, we do have a program for seminarians, third year and fourth year, when we actually talk about different aspects of management uh, that includes fundraising and different aspects of leadership. That includes, as we like to say, philanthropy. You know, we recently did also a survey among the, the clergy of, of the Archdiocese of Boston and Diocese of Fall River here in Massachusetts to kind of figure it out what it is that they were 
missing from subjects when they were, you know, formed to become priests. This is very interesting. And, and actually, you know, uh, uh, we have a session tomorrow and it's a joint group. It's 27, 27 students in the same class. Uh, we're going to be talking about the finances. And, and it's, you know, and it's funny because the, the, the seminarians are asking especially about personal finances. How do I do taxes as a priest? What is my power when I'm signing a check for the parish? So those are, you know, like very, very interesting things. And to some extent, I guess they, they follow on what we're going to be talking today anyway. So here I am, long introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll go next. I'm uh, Fred Roberts, uh, Managing Director with Changing Our World. It's been my honor and pleasure to serve the church as a consultant over the last 23 years. I've been with Changing Our World since 2011. And I've worked coast to coast on a host of different types of projects. It's been a pleasure to serve the church and to uh, to work with many different organ- Catholic organizations. Done a lot of parish campaigns, diocesan efforts, worked with dozens of schools on studies and offertory programs and capital campaigns. And so uh, just delighted to, to be here to, to talk about these topics. You know, one of the things I've found is that uh, priests, aren't real comfortable talking about money. So I think this is a, a really important thing to be able to help them with. So that's my introduction. Jim? Uh, Jim Friend. I'm also a managing director for Changing Our World. You're seeing the theme here. And I've worked for the uh, the Catholic Church uh, in one form or fashion my entire career. I started w- uh, back out uh, as a youth minister way back at the beginning of my career and worked in parish ministry for a number of years. And uh, director of religious education and a parish administrator. And I've been doing fundraising for about 20 years now, 20 plus years. Worked at the Diocese of Allentown as the Director of Stewardship and Development. I was at the Faith in the Future Foundation as their Director of Development, which is a Catholic school organization in the Archdiocese of Philly. And now I'm I'm thrilled to work with a variety of great clients here at Changing Our World and bring that experience to to our firm. I also am the host of our podcast, which we're recording today, which is why I've got the headset on, and uh, you all get to be a part of it. It's called Advancing Our Church, and it's a podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement, which is all the themes we're talking about this week at ICSC. So glad to have you guys on the show and glad to be here with you today. Hi, friends. My name is Anna Scholten. Um, I'm with the Archdiocese of Anchorage Juno. We had a merger recently, so we used to be Anchorage. Now we're Anchorage Juno both. Um, so that's very exciting. We have been through a lot of transitions in the last year, so we are ready to, once things start settling down, just to find new ways to help our parishes is our goal. Always the goal. So happy to be here. <laughs> Well, thank you and welcome, and thanks everyone for joining us. I'm especially grateful to have this conversation with Tamash because something that we've all seen in our work is the reluctance of uh, clergy, of priests, to talk about money, to ask for money. And no matter how many studies we all pull out or refer to or try to validate for them, that what they need to do is incorporate stewardship. Catholic stewardship as part of faith formation, as part of the individual person's growth in their relationship to their church. The more we can do that, the more successful we'll be. Right now, we're working on a campaign at the Archdiocese of Hartford, and one of our pastors uh, shared with us the other day that he uh, did the capital campaign in his parish. Very often, discussions about the campaign became pastoral conversations. 
because he would talk to parishioners about supporting the campaign. They would share the reasons why the church has brought them so much hope and consolation and why they want to be part of the campaign or why, for some reason, their circumstances prevent them from being involved in the campaign as donors. And I think if we can get more clergy to the place where they're comfortable in that space, the better it is. And so as we were talking about it changing our world, I thought about you, Tomas, because I know certainly when we were at the Archdiocese of Boston together, but then even now in your work at the seminary, what are your thoughts generally on how we can link these two for our priests? I think it's, you know, it's, it, it has been mentioned during those introductions a couple of things. So I'll start with, uh, you know, with, uh, with the language, with the language that we use, very much and very often confusing. As I mentioned to you, we did sort of a survey among the priests asking them, what would be helpful to you to run the parish, right? And they're saying basically that they didn't have an understanding of all the small kind of things that are included in running the parish, which is basically business. And I'm saying this now, hold on that thought. And now we are in front of the seminarians and we are telling them that priests who graduated from this institution five, six, ten years ago told us they were missing this. But the seminarians are basically saying, well, it's too much business. We are here, you know, as, as future priests to save the souls. And that's why we're doing this. So I'm, I'm just saying this, that this is a situation that all of the parties are right. <laughs> It's the challenges belongs to us, to how do we actually merge it by changing the language and changing the language of, of what you might mention. It's like, you know, introducing things like Catholic stewardship, very much used, I think, by now by everybody, Henry Nouwen's uh, spirituality of fundraising. When we start with, uh, it's a long journey, but when we start kind of entering those conversations and changing the language and being it in everywhere, I think that's the only way we can do that. So that's number one, change the language. Number two is, and, and you know, we have those stories here from Boston as well, when you, Mary, were here with the Archdiocese of uh, stories of success, of priests that actually went far and beyond to do things like that. So, of course, uh, we, you know, I'm using this, those examples with, with running those classes at the seminary. You know, we, we, had, we had a couple of priests to speak to the seminarians from a perspective of a priest, of a pastor not from a perspective of a layperson. Are they saying something different? No, <laughs> they're saying exactly the same stuff we are saying, but the conversation is different. The relationship is different. So in all of the stewardship, philanthropy, and fundraising, it really doesn't matter which perspective we, we take here, but at the core of all of those things are relationships and trust. And what comes from it, it's education. I'm really seeing more and more that peer-to-peer, -peer, and by that I mean clergy, Education is much, much better than us for whatever reason. And I, I see sometimes there is a resistance, especially we're talking about money, you know, among priests that, you know, whoa, 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 you're going to be telling me, <laughs> you know, I've heard that. Uh, I, I had that. Yeah, I experienced that on myself going be, be between different parishes and different dioceses as well. So I would start with, you know, with again, with those two kind of thoughts that this is the language, but also who is doing this, that I think it's, you know, sort of the best, the things that we can you know, start kind of building and changing the environment. Anna also mentioned that I think it's, you know, you said that you have your goals and, and things. So it's a clarity of the goals, you know, like supporting the parishes. And if we put that in a context of this is why we're here, 
and using the right language and using the right people to to talk about the goals that's sort of a win from the start it's not easy it might sound like you know this is this is the the best solution to the problem and we are all set i mean good luck with that right <laughs> you know? so i would just start with the language and and you know and actually would love to hear from you as well it's like you know what what you're thinking what's the right language to talk about it is it I, raising money philanthropy you know engagement that's a question i have and it's around the the sticky word of stewardship right i mean we we have the document from the bishops from many years ago and it's a wonderful pastoral document do people really understand stewardship i mean i've been to so many time talent or treasure <laughs> conversations versus time talent and treasure how do we get the whole idea of stewardship out there where people are comfortable with it. Does anybody, Jim, you probably have some thoughts on that. I know this is a topic, especially well, at it, but how do, you, how do we get stewardship to include money? Sure. Well, I, I think there's a number of different ways. I, Tomas, I like what you're saying about the language, because I think that language is so important. And when we talk about the, um, the, the priests un, being uncomfortable with it, I think, I think sometimes they might feel torn. And when I've spoken to different priests about I have a pastoral responsibility to shepherd my community, and and I've heard them say, and talking about money just doesn't feel like it is congruent with that, you know, and that I'm here to be a minister, I'm, I'm here at their highs, and I'm here at their lows. And, and asking them for a gift just feels like that muddies the water. Maybe even, in some ways, I've heard them say it compromises my pastoral integrity because you know, then they may need more favors from me, or they may need something, you know, they maybe become like a barter or an exchange or something. And, you know, what I've always advised pastors to think about is that, first of all, you can't, when you ask for a gift, you can't presume that you know anything about the person's financial situation. And that, and that's not just for pastors, that's for anybody asking for money. You know, we do the research, we ask people to think about what they can give, but we don't make presumptions about what be- people can give. What it is, it's a gift. It's not a bill. You know, when you, just because you've asked somebody for money doesn't mean they're going to, to pay it. We know that very well. We know that, that we're, we're coming to them with a spirituality, that it is part of who I am, that everything I've been given in this life is a gift from God. And I'm going to come, I came into this life with nothing. I'm going to leave it with nothing. And everything I've been given in between, I'm just a steward of. I have it in a very temporary way. And everybody on this Zoom call, everybody who's maybe listening to this podcast later knows that, you know, at some point we're going to go back to God and and we know that we're accountable, I think, for the gifts that we've been given here on earth and how we share those gifts and make the world a better place. And that's just as much a part of our spirituality, whether it be the money or whether it be our time and talent. And it, it's really critical to the conversation. So, you know, when you think about money... In the document, the 1992 Bishop's Pastoral Document, Stewardship and Disciples Response, it talks about when I give money, maybe it should be planned, not just what's ever left in my pocket, but maybe, you know, it should be a conscious decision about what I'm going to return to God for the in gratitude for the gifts he's given to me. It should be proportionate because we know that we've all been blessed in different ways, proportionate to the way I've been blessed. So that also takes some prayer and discernment and planning. It should be sacrificial. Because we know that as Catholics, as Christians, Christ made the ultimate sacrifice for us. And so we're called to sacrifice for each other and for the work of the church, for the mission of the church. And then lastly, it should be a prayer of thanksgiving, right? It should be in response 
out of gratitude for the many gifts that he has given to us. So it's not a pray, pay, and obey. It's not a guilt trip. It's not a give till it hurts, right? It's a prayer of gratitude, thanking God for the gifts that I've been given. As I look at the gifts I've been given, I know, and I can speak only for myself here, I've always had what I've needed, maybe not everything that I wanted, right? But I've had, but God has taken care of my needs. And sometimes I've had things just at the moment that I needed them. And other times I've had, you know, we've had to say, well, maybe we just can't get a new car this year. We're going to have to make the old one last a little longer. Or maybe I can't do that home repair that I've been planning. I know I need that new bathroom or I need that new whatever. Uh, but maybe this year I've, I've got a sacrifice. It's always about out of gratitude because most of us, I think, have been blessed with at least the ability to take care of our needs. Again, separating, I think, needs from wants is really important. And I think that God does give us what we need when we need it, for the most part. And when he doesn't, there's usually also another reason for that. Maybe there's it's time for us to go back into prayer and discernment and find out how God may be calling us to something else or testing us in some other way. But it's always about, I'm sorry I'm going on too long here, but I think it's always going back to that relationship we have from God, with God, that I don't just decide to give money. I, that comes because I have a spirituality, because I have a relationship with Christ, because I'm attending Mass, because I'm committed to my parish. Like That making a gift back to my parish on Sunday, that's a result of all that. So I just didn't just arrive on Sunday in the pews and say, okay, yeah, time to make a gift. It's This is an ongoing journey, and I think that making that weekly gift is is part of that. I just wanted to say one thing, if I may. It's like, you know, uh, Jimmy, you didn't call it that way, but I, what I heard you say, it's a internet, in, being intentional about my giving as a donor. Correct. And it's really, I, I, I think, again, I started with the, you know, the relationships, other priest language, and now comes education, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really the sort of the, the, the next level. How do we engage people in a different way about, you know, like, how do I understand what's happening? How do I understand the needs? So that goes with what you're saying. It's what I what I want and what I need. And what I've seen it works well with, you know, in the parish settings, when when you are as a pastor, as a priest, as a leader in a parish, you are able to embrace the people and, and basically tell them, hey, this is yours, not mine. That comes an in intentionality to say, oh my, we have to take care of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. right, And it changes the conversation because it's not like, oh, here comes the, you know, the basket, you know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's what it is that I'm going to do. And, and how do I understand this, what is needed? Being educated on, on what does it mean, how the things are being built. And, you know, with all the respect to, you know, to, to, to the document that it's, that you've mentioned from the bishops, we are not talking enough about it. Right. right. The document is from 1992, right? From the 90s. Mm hmm um, it's not that old for most of us. Yeah, lots of things has changed, you know, <laughs> yeah. between yeah. then and now. Sure. Uh, how do we bring the conversation? You know, so it's so it's kind of like we are saying that we don't want to talk about it. We say it's important, but at the same time, we don't do anything about it to talk right. about it. You know, um, so you know I'm a, I'm a second year, I'm finishing up my second year as a diaconate yes. candidate. Hopefully, God willing, I'll be moving into candidacy soon. We are praying for you. Um, and so, thank you. I appreciate that. In my last theology class, we had a lot of conversation around a sacramental worldview 
versus a secular worldview. And I think that when we look at money under the lens of a sacramental worldview, it has a completely different meaning for us. When we look at the world as in a sacramental worldview, Everything has a completely we, – we look at, at it under the lens of our Christian eyes, under, under the lens of our faith. You know, when you look at social media and you look at the news and you look at the headlines, that's all under the secular worldview. And the secular worldview and the sacramental wor- worldview butt heads all the time. But I think part of our, our call as uh, – part of the call of our, of our ordained is to call us back to that sacramental worldview and look at everything in our lives as though it were it were from Christ uh, under everything in our lives from a Christian's viewpoint and that includes our money you know it isn't that dirty little thing that we have to deal with it's it's a part of our lives it's, it we need it to live we need it to pay our bills we need it right to take care of our loved ones we it's a necessary part of our lives and so how do we incorporate that with our faith journey I think is the sacramental worldview discussion, right? How how does that? I, I I have what I need, and and maybe the temptation is to keep more from myself rather than to give back some of that to Christ. And so that's maybe the struggle I think of the Christian steward: how much do I keep versus how much do I give back to God? And Jim, I think you're absolutely right. I think though too, if we want to adapt to advance into a sacramental view around money and philanthropy, then we have to, beginning at the parish level or diocesan level, we have to create the structures that make that possible. Mm-hmm. If all we're doing is talking about online giving and you know mail campaigns and Amazon Smile and I don't know, raffles and bake sales or hoagie sales in Pittsburgh, um, you know, then we're missing the point. I mean, I think that we have to have leadership in, in development philanthropy in the church that have the courage to say, we're going to get rid of all the tchotchke sales, that we're going to stop trivializing money, which is what we do. There, some of that is around community, and I realize that, but some of it has to be about educating our congregations mm-hmm. about that view as well. Because as we all know, there are people in our parishes who will throw $5 in the plate and then you know, back when we were in contact with one another, you know, buy a flower from the Little Sisters of the Poor, and we would consider our stewardship complete. So we have to be willing as a church to stop it, you know, pull the Band-Aid off, cut the cord, done, and and really change the way the parish as a whole behaves around money. I agree. And how popular it would be. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's 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 precisely what's uh, what sort of needs to happen when we go from a transactional to really supporting the mission. Mm-hmm. We are keeping the transactional. This is nothing different than let's say the trick certain things in medieval times, right? What are we selling here? Uh, right. So how do I participate with everything that I have? Those you know those three gifts: time, talent, and treasure in the mission of the of the church that happens to be my parish here right because whatever that the world the world is divided in such a way you know so mm-hmm. that's what it is so so there's a you know and I'm, and I'm glad that you've mentioned this because it's uh it's so hard to go away from those things we do um let's say we do a silent auction and one of the items is a basket full of alcohol for example how does that support the, you know <laughs> The mission, um, or you know, there's a trip uh, or something, right? Uh, you know, I'm, it's it's still sales, right? So, 
how do you, let's say, if we go that way, right? If we choose to go that way, very radical, but at the same time, you know, as, as Jesus was radical, right? In his teaching and showing us how to do the things. How do we do that? What's what's possible? I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm kind of yeah. I'm posing this because... It's a I'm great question. Person. Yeah. I think my, my view on that would be when we just make it transactional, and that's a great, great way of looking at it, then we're putting limits on what the person might be willing to do for the organization, for the church, by saying the price of being a part of our parish is winning the raffle from this basket of wine, right? Um, yes. So that's $100, right? <laughs> and, then you're, and then you're done. Okay, I bought the $100 ticket. I won the basket. I'm done, right? Rather than saying, we really need to reflect on how we've all been blessed and how we might all consider returning a portion of those blessings back to God. Well, that's a whole different conversation than buying a $100 raffle ticket. Or, exactly. You know? And so it's, it's, I think it's an ongoing, ongoing dialogue. But I, like, I love your uh, analogy there of transactional versus really discernment. We're really calling people, I think, more into discernment. And that's yeah. the challenge of, of the pastor. Exactly. And so, you know, you, you can tell that I was kind of prepared for today. So my next step would be, uh, or kind of another element of, you know, really practical thing that pastors and, you know, parish leaders can do is really talk to your parishioners, why they give. Sometimes it's, you know, I've heard beautiful stories from parishioners who we didn't know. We were not aware that why they do what they do. And it's not just like every Sunday, whatever, you know, I have to give because there is an envelope, right? But it's really caring for the parish, caring for the people and, you know, for what we do as a community in a way, right? And that kind of is, I guess, one of the best leaderships we can we can have in a parish, any parish is like when, when it's actually people do it by themselves, but really encouraging pastors to, to talk about the money with their parishioners, maybe one-on-one. And, and, you know, it's, yes, it, it comes back to, to the thing that sometimes, you know, priests don't want to kind of sound that they don't know certain things, but you can frame the conversation in such a way that what gives you the biggest joy? Why do you give? What was your hardest gift? What was your, I don't know, hardest ask you have ever received, you know, and really encourage priests to, you know, and and clergy to talk about those things that, and I like what you were talking about, Jim, about, you know, your class that talk about those things from a sacramental perspective. I would love to kind of have a conversation like this, that the priest will tell me, it's like, you know, Tomas, you're doing a great job for the kingdom, you know, what's your money? Maybe it's that, you know, the the hundred dollar wine basket, but still. (laughs) Yeah. How do we take it to the next level? Right. Let me ask a question of, of everyone. Do you consider fundraising to be a ministry? I of do. course. Sure. Of course. I think, Mary, you can't do this for 20 plus years without thinking of it as a mission or a ministry. <laughs> because otherwise, you're just, you know, <laughs> there's something wrong. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I seriously, I, I mean, I've always looked at like, I'm, you know, I worked for a pastor years ago and when I worked at the parish level and um, he was a great stewardship pastor and still my mentor to this day, a great man. And he said, you know, I'm doing my parishioners a favor by asking them to give on Sunday and to think about what they give to our parish. I'm doing them a favor because they're going to have an easier time getting into heaven if they've done more acts of charity, more acts of, of goodwill, of being taking more steps closer to their, in their faith 
So even though it may be a little painful at times, I'm doing them a favor by asking them to think about that. I completely agree. Fred, what about you? Is it a ministry to you? I would say definitely. I would agree with that. Jim, as you were telling your story, I was thinking of a priest who used to say that he works for the Eternal Revenue Service. Nice. <laughs> Eternal Revenue Service. So he had a great sense of humor, but I think that the willingness to, to talk about money and to have the proper perspective, because so many times we were fearful of money. And if we view it in a different way, if we view money as a means to the end, and what I like to say is to put mission before money. So really think about the mission and, and how money can help us to, to really get promote the church and promote the mission of the church. So I think that's something that, that really needs to be conveyed. And I, I really feel for young priests these days because they, they have to be overwhelmed as they as they come into the priesthood and, and at such a young age are asked to to take over a parish and kind of be a CEO of uh, you know, of a, of a, of a parish uh, corporation, um, it, it's just a lot. So we have to do a better job preparing them to be more comfortable to talk about these things that, that they don't know anything about. So one of the things that, um, you know, the, the client that, that Mary and I are working with in, in Hartford, the Hartford Bishops Foundation, underwrote a, uh, a, a project called the, um, the Pastor's Toolbox, and it was uh, to help. It was it was a peer to peer um, type of a workshop, but um, they um, really worked with the young priests to to give them the skills that they need to to be able to to uh, function and succeed as a pastor. So, yes, this is an important part of of running a business of the church. But you know, our our main business remains salvation. So, um, so that all uh, that all goes into it. I completely agree with you. I think it is definitely a ministry. Um, but I think, as you mentioned, Fred, I think it's also a business. You know, if uh, I know, Tomas, you heard me say this many times in Boston. You know, it, let's say the average parish in the East, anyway, has a budget of half a million to a million dollars. You know, we never talk about in the par- in our parishes, we don't talk about the revenue side of it. We don't really talk about philanthropy or contributions or our role in supporting it. I mean, if you had any other, if you had a secular institution with that sort of approach to contributed income, it would be considered irresponsible. I think if we are responsible members of the faith community, we have to know about our parishes and their health, and then we have to be part of making them healthy. And it's in terms of certainly how much we're giving, but then how many parishioners really are giving intentionally, as Tomorrow says. So it's not just a question of getting the wine basket raffle ticket. That sounds pretty good, but but it's also a question of really looking at the entire way that you're participating in the life of your church. Anna, could I invite you to tell us a little bit about the diocese and how what are the approaches towards stewardship there? So something that, because of all the transitions with the merger of Anchor, you know, we've been the Office of Stewardship and Development, and now we're making the transition just Office of Development. So the stewardship piece is going to be more parish-centric, and the development piece is going to continue to come out of the, out of the Archdiocese. So our big project for this coming year is sort of helping parishes through the transition and just to find ways to empower them to do things on a local level. We have about 40 parishes in the archdiocese, so we're pretty little. And I think that 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 gives us a a good advantage to be able to 
um, work a one-on-one just because there are so few of them. We can really network with them well and just support them locally to help find new ways. I really like my favorite part was the quote about this idea of um, mission before money. I've, I've never been really on the finance side of things. I was in youth ministry before I came here. So I'm very much more on like the ministry mission. Why are we doing what we're doing piece? And I think it's just nice to have both sides of the coin in the office to to just to round out the knowledge plus the, the reasons why we do the things we do. So, oh, Anna, lots of us uh, stewardship people started out in youth ministry. So youth ministry people make good stewardship people, just so you know. You're in the right track. <laughs> you know, something that I've been thinking about while we've been speaking is uh, all of us need to remember, too, that people learn over time. And so I think it's it's more than having a single stewardship moment in parish life during the liturgical year. I think we need to look at ways of having ongoing and continuous and appropriate discussions and presentations and information about stewardship and the temporal life of the parish and our role with it. I've been in parishes where every month they publish the parish budget for good or ill, you know with revenue, expenses, losses, but it's good because it starts showing parishioners the significance of the giving. You know, it's nice to put down the weekly offertory. Sometimes you see there's a tiny line in your bulletin, the weekly offertory is this much. I'm not sure what we're to do with that information. So I, I really think a fully developed, continuous program of communications with parishioners is hugely important because over time they will get it. They will come to understand it and they will want to be part of it. Then it will just be a matter of asking. And Tomas, as you say, uh, having the clergy, you know, do the asking. Tomas, any other thoughts on that? The, 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 topic is, the topic is huge. And it's, uh, there's, um, uh, when I was working for some religious order, the, uh, the motto of their founder was always with the church, sometimes without, never against. So here's a, um, here's a, you know, um, a, a moment. It's like, how do we, how do we say things sometimes that are, that might be seen too strong? I, I think it's one of the, what, what, what struck me when Anna was actually talking about the budget and, and you, Mary, right now, it's like one of the things that I've seen uh, connecting the mission and the money is really having the the parishioners work on a budget together. So because the budget is the way how you're going to get to your mission, how you're going to get to your goals. And and I also have seen that work uh, sometimes good for priests. I've worked with some priests that never did anything with the, with the money. They either had the CPA or whatever, and, you know, that was sort of taken for them, you know, by someone else. Turning that story of like, okay, where are we going with parish and what can we sort of afford? That our budget actually tells the story as well, and it is in a from a you know, let's say the temporary goods financial perspective, but it gets us to what you know what Jim was talking about that sacramental kind of you know uh, elements of it. I'm really looking at always at kind of the the tools and practical things. So we have the philosophy here, right? Like you know, we know what we want to do. Let's change the language, but what does that mean? What do I do now, right? Right. So I think it's because, as I mentioned before, it's the, the whole thing is based on the relationships. I would encourage always everybody to ask questions, right? And, and, and it's not like we know why people give. I mean, we, we, we can get a sense of why people give, right? Like seven elements. There are so many books about it, right? But, yeah. but what really happened in a, in a particular you know, situation when someone have given? Let's talk to them. And I think that's, 
that's what I've seen in my, you know, career and me working with the church, that it's a really huge, you know, eye-opener for priests to ask their parishioners, why do you support the parish? Uh, why do you do this? Or what else do you do philanthropically? And why? Because that moves sort of the, the whole conversation to a little bit closer <laughs> to that, you know, sacramental kind of thing. Because it's not a transaction anymore. It's it's their feelings. It's their, you know, their dreams. You know, their, their willingness to change the world in a way, right? Exactly. Oh, what a great transition. Since yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I, I, I just wanted to offer something. Also, Mary, you were talking a bit about, you know, an annual report at the parish level. And one of the things that I've adopted working with some parishes is the financial report is so important. But what we've done at my own parish, actually, the last couple of years is we put together a parish report that includes the annual report numbers, so the financial numbers, but also everything else that the parish is doing. So we try to draw a straight line between money and mission to say, this is what the collections were. Here's where we're at in a financial situation. And we have our chairman of the finance committee who helps write that portion of the report. But then we engage the ministry people and the stewardship people as well to write the rest of the report, to really give context to all of those numbers. We have a school. Well, how's the school doing? How is enrollment doing? We have about 25 different ministries in the parish that different parishioners are engaged in. Um, how many how many uh, home visits did we have with those who needed communion brought to them last year? And, you know, how much, how is the Knights of Columbus doing with their fundraisers and how many students do we have in religious education? And, you know, how many meals did we prepare during Thanksgiving for those who needed our, our support and services? Just all the different ways in which money and mission are connected. And that gives a, a much a much broader perspective for the parishioner to say, okay, I get it now. This is what you did with my money. This is how you managed the money that I gave you. And, and now I'm ready to be asked to increase that or to take a deeper connection because you know, just like you're saying, the younger generation is calling us, I believe, and this generation, I think, is calling us to a higher degree of accountability than ever before. And so how, you know, the other piece that we maybe we haven't talked about as much is how a pastor connects with his parishioners with that piece. In other words, we know that the pastor has the bottom line financial responsibility for every parish. He he signs the budget, he writes the checks. Nobody would dispute that. But there is some opportunity, I think, for them to partner with the parishioners. How, how much is your finance committee a partner with you when you're making those financial decisions for the parish? How have you engaged a pastoral council, not just a finance council, in the planning and the ministry portion of the parish? How have we elicited uh, the ideas of the community to make this our parish and not just be viewed as, you know, Father Joe's parish? So I think there's a, I think... Sometimes a stewardship community can be reflective of, is there that partnership and that engagement happening with the parishioners? We always see that before we go into a capital campaign. If there's a, if there's a, if the community has a spirit of ownership in what's happening with that project that's being proposed, or whether um, it feels like it's been given to them or handed to them and say, okay, now you guys got to make this happen rather than if there's that collaborative. So I think collaborative maybe is the word that I'm looking for, collaborative uh, pastoral piece. Absolutely. I think as you're saying, it needs to be transparent, right? It needs right. to be brought forth so 
the pastoral council, to the finance council, and to the parishioners. And I would actually say absolutely an annual report to the parish. But again, I would I would use the vehicle of the bulletin, the parish website, the parish social media, put the parish bullet, the the monthly parish budget on your uh, website you know, put it there for people to look at, drive them to it. Because again, it shouldn't just be once a year. It should be ongoing and continuous. The bills are there every month. So why not have uh, that communication going out every month? Because I think people really will learn a great deal um, about what's working and what's not working. And it also helps to direct meeting parishioners who would be looking to offer help with fundraising activities, raffles, bake sales, wine baskets. Back to the wine basket. That's our theme. Uh, but yeah. Jim, like you've mentioned the collaboration and, and you know, like this is, I think I have to invoke that book by Patrick Lencioni, the, the five dysfunctions of a team. And he wrote, as you probably all know, lots of things that are connected for the church or for the parish. But that's precisely what it is. I, I think there is a good roadmap for to do the things that you are describing. It's you know, it's it's trust, accountability, transparency. We all have it. Those are the building blocks for for any success in any collaboration in any community. Right? That you have the people you are saying what you know, and and you are doing what you've said you would. Um, this is this is also interesting. It's like and, and looking out, uh, at it from a, let's say the consumer perspective, and by consumer I mean the parishioners who sits and reads the uh, you know the, the the church bulletin. There is a different way to talk about the money. So how do we talk about it as a mission again? How do you package this and how do you deliver that to your parishioners? Depends on what they're going to do with this or not. It's another rubric or a spreadsheet with numbers. Ah, oh, right. You know, right. the story. I'm hungry for it, right? Because you know, again, like I've mentioned to you, we did that uh, survey among the priests, but we also started sort of tapping into the parishioners and not asking about you know how do you give and whatever, but what makes you happy, sort of in a way. Like, what would you like to see? And I think our people are hungry in a way for a different type of a conversation, a conversation that brings joy, that gives hope. And that kind of makes them and puts them as a part of, of the whole structure. So we build trust with people by asking different types of questions, not the same kind of thing. So we can measure the effectiveness of the mailing right. or on the thing like what it is that you really think and what it is that you really care. So my next mailing will reflect that. So you'll do better versus why didn't you respond to a yellow envelope or something? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I remember we... When we were working on the appeal to us, you might remember we started to put cards in the whatever the fall appeal was. Yes. Um, and it was, what would you like us to pray for during Advent and Christmas? That went out in an appeal. And, and it was astonishing the responses that we got back. I was taken by the number of people that wanted broader prayer for peace. And this was years ago. You know, this wasn't, you know, recently. And it didn't change our messaging. It changed our messaging from being tactical and talking to how many missalettes we could buy with your money, which to being people, we're about salvation. Nothing is more important. It doesn't matter how many missalettes we have. What matters is we're saving souls and there's nothing more important. And so join us in prayer and as a donor. And that really 
turn things around. Question, I'm looking at the time, but I have a question for Tomash, for everybody. So many of our pastors have two and three and possibly more parishes. How do we have this conversation with them at a time of tremendous uh, pressure on them to do so many things? What do we say? What? How do we introduce the conversation? Changing the approach the whole way you're doing it. It's my I- idealist side that's going to speak right now. <laughs> you know, adjust your language. Adjust your language to the needs of of the priest. Because again, if it comes from a perspective of you know this is finances and this is needed, we're just adding another oh, a heavy thing on their load, right? Or that they're, they're already busy. Uh, but I think it's, you know, here it's giving them that this is this is an opportunity to engage. This is that, you know, the message of hope in a way that, you know, we are giving you some, some you know, uh, building blocks that will help you on the journey for whatever study you have to do. Don't abandon your people when you're creating something for them, create it with them. And, and again, I, I, ideally, it's a one-on-one conversation. Good luck with that, right? You know, how many would we have to have? But maybe going back to my, you know, one of the points I was making at the beginning that find a couple of champion priests, and I'm sorry to say it like that, but, you know, those who get it, this is not a secret. We always knew the Archdiocese of Boston that they're, you know, one third of the parishes are okay. <laughs> third, they don't know what to do. And the, the remaining third, we should close them, right? I hope right. I'm still with in the frames, right? Uh, but but that's the reality, you know. And, and how do we how do we treat the you know couple of of of, of priests of pastors who get it, who care not only about the you know their parishes, but they care about the you know overall you know the the the, the church, right? Um, so that is an opportunity for us to, to use them to give them opportunities to speak and bring others. So so that I'm, I'm circling back to that because that is education. How do we choose sort of the best models and we communicate not as us, but as them? So they, there is a peer-to-peer connection, always much, much better than, than you know, with the people from the outside. I hope it makes sense. <laughs> that really does. Idealistically. Idealistically. Father, I was just curious about your background. We've talked a little bit over the past week. What would be the most helpful tools or tips or suggestions that would make you more comfortable talking to parishioners about contributing, about money, about donations? But donations, when I say that is not for myself, that is for the church, that is for the parish, I have no problem for me. This I say freely that this is not for myself, that is for not for, for the priest, but that is for the church, for our for our parish. This is also for, for, for the activity of the parish. As you can see, the result of, of, of this of our activity. I have no problem on, on saying that to the parishioners. None yeah. whatsoever. That's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Anyone else have any other suggestions? I was just gonna say, Jim, I, I think it's really important not to be afraid to ask the questions. I think we have to be be smart and prudent in the questions that we answer. And we have to be ready to, to act on the information that we're given. But asking questions, asking parishioners what they think and what they feel, uh, what they see, what they're experiencing shows that, that we care about them. So if we want our parishioners to care about us as the church, we need to uh, extend that caring to them uh, first. So 
Uh, I think that, that Tomas uh, referenced that, and and I totally agree. I think uh, that uh, that is the best way to to begin and to to help to to grow a relationship. Yeah, Fred, I would just uh, jump in also, and and you know, Father, you're so correct when you say you're not asking for yourself; you're asking for the parish, you're asking for the community. I worked for a pastor once who got up in front of the community and said, "The good news is we have all the money that we need." The bad news is it's still in your wallets. He got a little bit. <laughs> he got a little bit of laughter at that. I used that one myself once oh, at, a, at a gala. I, I think it goes back to you know not only are we all stewards of the gifts that we've been given here on Earth, but the pastor is also the steward of the gifts that he has been entrusted to at his parish. Part of that role is to pastorally call forth those gifts to fulfill the mission of, of the parish community. And he doesn't do that for himself. His whole priesthood is found is other-centered, it's Christ-centered. And he does that same act to ask parishioners to commit financially because it is other-centered. And it's probably for some guys I know, it's one of the greatest sacrifices and one of the biggest challenges that um, that they have. But I have found more pastors comfortable in that role because they're able to connect it back to the spirituality, to stewardship. And so I would just encourage anybody listening to really think about that and pray about that. If you can connect that ask to the spirituality, again, to that sacramental worldview, then um, you're going to find the courage and the ability to overcome that. Absolutely. How beautiful. Thank you, Jim, for that reflection and that encouragement as well. It was so good to see you all. I want to thank Fred and Jim for their continued leadership and support during this conference. Tomas, thank you again uh, for joining the discussion and sharing your thoughts and the wisdom you're experiencing and sharing at the seminary. Anna, it's great to meet you. I hope to meet you today, as well as um, Father Franciscus. It's so good to see you again. I feel like we're becoming good buddies. Thank you, everyone. Nice thank to you, meet Mary. everybody. Thank you, Mary. Yeah, thank you, everybody. I want to thank our panel of experts for being on our show today. Thank you, Mary, for facilitating that conversation and all the great thoughts and ideas that were shared because of it. Lots of experience around that table, and I was very lucky to be a part of it. I'll be sure to leave contact information and links to everyone's LinkedIn profile or a link to their website if you wish to be in touch with any of our panelists today. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and to Pottery Studios for their support of our show. If you'd like to leave a comment about today's show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com and just click on leave a voicemail. I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for over 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everyone. Have a great week. Thanks for all you do to advance the mission of our church. Take care and God bless.